Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is January 29, and our chapter for today is Exodus 3. The story starts to move. Remember, God is telling a story. It's the great story of redemption, and it is really about to pick up speed. God told Abraham, your children will go into a land where they will be strangers. And then after four generations, after 400 years, I will bring them out. And God certainly did that. He proved himself faithful again. He always is. But God brought them out as a nation, not as just a mere handful of people but now a great and mighty nation. God has used these 400 years to seed a nation, and they're coming out. But they're not just coming out because they are a strong and mighty people. God is going to prove that he is God to the strongest, most powerful nation on earth, the Egyptians. God is going to bring them out with a strong and mighty hand. Verse 19 says, God speaking, but I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand. I will strike Egypt with all my wonders, my miracles, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And so God was going to bring the nation out of bondage back into the land of promise where they would no longer be strangers, but they would have an inheritance, one that was given by God Almighty. And it was a land inheritance forever and forever. And so God said, I want to prove who I am to these Egyptians, but not just to the Egyptians. God needed to prove he's God to his own people. Because you see, many times it's not the heathen that God wants to show himself strong before. It's his own people. This is what God said in the Samuel Kings and Chronicles material to King Asa. He said, God is looking. Listen, King, God is looking with his eyes to and fro throughout all the earth that he might show himself strong to those who are seeking him. Those who are seeking him, the lost, the heathen are not seeking him. It's his people. It is amazing that God has to prove himself to us over and over and over again. It shows the sinfulness continually confluently throughout the entire Tanakh, the Old Testament, and the New. And listen, even after a thousand years of peace and prosperity and health and goodness and the graciousness of God, what is called the millennial reign, even after Jesus ruling personally from Jerusalem and all the earth having such health that when a man dies at a hundred, it will be as though he were just a child. Even after all of that, the Bible says when Satan, Diabolos, 
That deceiver is released from the abyss, from the bottomless pit. He will go to and fro and throughout the earth, and he will deceive as many as the sands of the sea. You see, God has always had to work, not at getting the people of God out of Egypt, but getting Egypt out of his people. Because this is exactly what we have failed to see in the West today, in Western culture. We think if we can just remove people from the slums and get them into brand new housing and give them a check and give them a card and give them a way to clean up, that they're going to stay that way. No, no, no. Always the challenge, the supernatural challenge, is not to get the people out of the slums, but get the slums out of the people. And that takes the miraculous work of God. Now back to the story. Moses is almost 80 years of age now. Strong, yes. Even at 120, his eye had not dimmed. And his strength was as it was when he was a youth. Now that is a health care program I want to be on. But that's what the Bible says. His eye was not dimmed, nor was his strength abated on the day that the Lord took him home at age 120. But here is Moses in almost midlife, just a little past, and he sees on the great mountain of God that on this sacred mountain, something is alight, something is burning. And the Bible says that this mountain of God was so prominent that Moses was feeding the flock near there. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now, Mount Horeb is the same as Mount Sinai. And the bush that was burning was burning because God was in it. D.L. Moody once said, any old bush will do when God's in it. He can set it afire. Ellsworth Day picked up on that theme and wrote probably, in my opinion, of all the books that I've read about D.L. Moody, I believe the book entitled Bush Aglow. If you've never read that, you need to read it. It's by Ellsworth Day. And it is a beautiful story of the life of D.L. Moody. He wrote another one about Charles Spurgeon, Ellsworth Day did, entitled Under the Shadow of the Broad Brim. Yet he wrote another in the trilogy of John Jasper, the great Negro preacher, the black preacher from the South, and he called it Rhapsody in Black. Those three, if you read any biographies this year, you should read Bush Aglow, the story of D.L. Moody, Under the Shadow of the Broad Brim, which is a Puritan take on the life of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon, and then John Jasper, the great black preacher, as he entitled it Rhapsody in Black. Those are books that are 
are well worth your purchase if you can find them. When I am just needing a pickup, I will read Bush Aglow, and it is the story likened unto Moses where D.L. Moody, out of his curiosity, turned aside to see what God had to say to him. And he saw the fire of God and felt the fire of God. You see, God is often pictured in the Bible as a flame of fire. We've already seen this in the life of Abraham when a flame of fire walked through that blood ditch and when Abraham was not able to. We see it again here, a bush that is a fire with the glory of God and with the fire and passion of God and the purity of God so pure that Moses had to take the shoes from off his feet because the ground around the bush was holy ground, not because of the bush, but because God was in the bush and manifesting himself through a fire. And I could go throughout the Tanakh, throughout the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, and the writings, and show you where God showed up as a flame of fire. But all we have to do is open the book of Acts in the Berit Hadashah in the New Testament, the New Covenant, and we will see in the book of Acts that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together. They were all the same heat. Homo thumidon is the word. They were all the same heat. All of a sudden, they heard a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. It wasn't a rushing mighty wind. It was the sound like a freight train coming down the rail or like a tornado that was coming through. It was the sound as of a rushing mighty wind. And there appeared unto them, according to chapter 2 and verse 3, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like tongues of fire that set upon each of them and distributed to each one according to his capacity. The Holy Spirit came down as a fire upon them to purify them, to light a passion in them that would so burn that they would turn the world upside down. Oh, that God would do that in our lives. The Bible says that Moses turned aside and verse 5 said that God spoke to him and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. And he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals from off your feet in the place where you're standing now. Understand, it's holy ground. He said, I am the God of your father. Wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. Chapter 3 and verse 2 says, it was the angel of the Lord, of Hashem, capital L-O-R-D. But here he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse 2 says it was the angel of the Lord. Which is it? Yes. It is the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is a pre-incarnate view of Mashiach, of Messiah, God talking, God burning, God on fire in presence. It is the anointed one. And so he says, and the Lord said, again, this is Hashem, the name that no man today knows to pronounce. I have surely seen the oppression of my people that are in Egypt. 400 years they prayed. 400 years they waited. God was right on time. He waited until the people got ready. 
Now listen, when God gets ready to move, all hell cannot stop him. But you and I are not going to move God until God gets ready. We don't twist the arm of God and beg him to do something he's not wanting to do. God is usually waiting for us to get usable. Years ago, I was in a meeting with Dr. Adrian Rogers. He was talking about how that we're all the time praying, God, use me, God, use me, God, use me. And he said, I no longer pray that. I pray God make me usable because he said when I understood that God will use me when I get usable, when I confess my sin, when I will get right with him, when I will start walking with him in obedience, it's amazing all of a sudden God starts using us. And so this was the case. Moses was now ready. God was now ready, but God had to prepare Moses. He had to prepare the leader. That's usually what he's doing. God's ready to work. But remember, God usually, when he works, almost all the time, he'll raise up a person. He'll raise up a man. He'll raise up, if a man's not available, he'll raise up a woman. Now, that might have upset you. Get over it. This is just what the Bible says. And so here was Moses. God had him in preparation. He had to break him. Another time. I was with Dr. Charles Stanley in a small meeting. He said to those of us who were in that room, he said, when you ask God to use you, when you ask God to use you, what you're saying is, God, break me. Because God cannot use us to the fullest until we are broken until we are shattered, and then he puts us back together to use us for his glory. And so here is Moses. He is ready now, and God is about to reveal himself as who he is. And Moses said to God in verse 13, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, they're going to say to me, Boy, he knew human nature. He's going to say, Who is it that has sent you, and what is his name? The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they'll say to him, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said, Say unto them, Haya. That's the verb to be. It means to be, to come to pass, to become. God said to Moses, I am. Now, the particular construction of this verb in Hebrew is translated in our English, I am who I am. Well, who is it? It's the one that always has been. It is the one who is. It is the one who is eternal. It is the one who will be. There is no time when God was not. He is the great uncaused cause. He is who he is. He said, you tell them that I am sent you. And Moses said, okay, I will do that. And I'm not good at this. And we're going to see that God had to deal with Moses because even after God had shown himself who he was, God again had to show Moses before Moses could show the people. Now, you just keep reading this, and God had to show him that he could use him in a miraculous way. Because, you see, the issue is always trusting God. 
God says something. We don't believe him. We really don't. You say, well, oh, I have faith. I have faith. It's my faith. No, no, it's not our faith. It just takes a faith the size of a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds that we will deal with on a regular basis, certainly that they did during the days of Jesus. It doesn't take much faith. No, it's who our faith is in or toward and who we're committed to. You see, God said, Moses, it's not about you. You don't have to be eloquent in speech. Moses kept on crying. Well, Lord, you know. And God finally said, Moses, who made your mouth? You see, this is God can use anyone who's available. God used a donkey with Balaam. What did John the Baptist say? John the Baptist was the greatest preacher to ever live. Jesus said among those born of women, none were greater than John the Baptist. Now, that's a pretty good endorsement. But you know what John thought of himself? When somebody said, are you Mashiach? Are you Messiah? Are you the anointed one? He said, oh, no, no, no. I'm a voice. I'm a phone. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. I'm not even anybody. I'm just a voice. I'm just the voice you hear. I'm just the messenger. Oh, what a great attitude. What an attitude of humility. Oh, preacher, that you preach the stars down. Well, you know, we're a voice crying in the wilderness. Make way the pathway for the Lord. Well, that's all I can take for today. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.